All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of VR Download, a weekly show where we discuss all the amazing new fun news and headlines and things like that in the VR industry. I am your host, Kyle, and over here to the left, I have... Hello, everyone. Ian Hamilton, joining you from Arkansas, middle of the United States, with my hands. And I've got my cat in here doing no good in this room. I was about, I was trying to, we've got these tablets here. And if I, if I reach forward through the tablets, I, I can accidentally cast things to the, to Stevie, the TV. And I, I was going to have to throw a piece of clothing at the cat to get it, get him from stopping messing with things on my, my table. And uh, luckily the cat has now, I've, I've scared it off the table without having to, having to throw clothing at it and uh, without accidentally uh, casting things, so uh, everything's good here. But you might hear a cat meowing just because the cat doesn't like me talking to people that aren't there. I, I can totally understand that. Who do we have over here, all the way to the left? I'm David Heaney, joining you from Northern Ireland. The good news is, Ian, I believe you reported that cat tracking is probably coming to Oculus Quest some point. I would love that. I just, I, I just, I hope I get to like pick an avatar for my cat as well. I mean, you got to have your pets, right? Uh, luckily, my pets are contained in a 30-gallon aquarium. Uh, gerbils, you know, they, they don't tend to get in your way when you're doing VR, but, you know, that's just what I got. So uh, I'm not really sure if today is a huge news day, but we do have some fun, intriguing things that we can discuss today. Uh, Ian, right before we went live, you were talking about something fun that uh, those of us who have an iPhone might get a kick out of. Yeah, well, a couple things happened right before we came in here. Hugo Barra is uh, leaving Facebook. So he was one of their hardware execs. I think he worked uh, at Google, I think, on Android. I could, I, I, I'm could. i trying to remember it. He was one he of these did, people yeah. that ended up in that, hard, that, that sort of executive structure at Facebook that becomes kind of like a, a, a black box to us because you never know. You know who's got their hands in which projects on some of these uh, mm -hmm. some of these levels, but I think that's uh, about five years at Facebook that uh, he was there, and, and now he's gone. Um, and yeah, the other thing is, let's see if I can put it up there. I had, this is my first time throwing up a video up there. Yeah, so the new feature is iPhone owners can see their iPhone lock screen notifications uh, with version twenty nine of the quest software which should, should be rolling over, out over the next couple of weeks uh if facebook keeps to its sort of gradual rollout schedule where uh they they kind of test the waters and make sure that it doesn't cause any super breaking bugs uh before they kind of give it to everyone but yeah that's kind of a big deal because if you go back to like 2016 in the original vive hitting the market they kind of promised these features back on that original headset where you could get your phone when you're in VR and it was it was pitched to such a big deal and then it kind of just died and lots of people didn't even know that that feature was even intended to exist. Uh, yeah, it was. And it, you it know, died. I find it very intriguing that this is starting for iOS users, for uh, iPhone people uh prior to android which is funny because uh well uh, the oculus you know mobile platform here on my skull right now functions with android so what what gives here heaney do you have any input on this well i do actually the problem is that most silicon valley workers especially companies like facebook use iphones and i actually remember reading uh, a few years ago that Zuckerberg had to force some of his workers to start using Android phones because he'd noticed that the Android app had started to decline because none of them actually ever used it. All right. Well, hey, let's get into the first piece of news here then so that way we can get some uh, amazing conversation going. So first piece of news for today is all about the Vive Pro 2 and the Focus 3 getting eye-tracking add-on. So neither the HTC Vive Pro 2 nor the Vive Focus 3 features integrated eye-tracking, but 
support will apparently come via an add-on device in the future. And so it's interesting to think that uh, there's, well, first of all, enough room to connect something like an eye tracking uh, device inside these uh, headsets, but then also that they will uh, work and be compatible and actually provide some form of uh, function. Uh, what, what do we know about this, Ian? Uh, well, we've, it's interesting to see them sort of, uh, it's always felt like eye tracking as an add on for Vibes headsets. So I I remember seeing the first eye tracking on, I think it was the original HTC Vive at, with basically, uh, Valve's blessing. So I remember the first demos of eye tracking were kind of like in, cooperation with toby and with valve kind of showing some of the potential that it could add to uh facebook's headsets and obviously i think uh, or facebook sorry hcc's headsets and years later we're still kind of like they they did the vive pro i now they've got this separate add-on um it's it's weird the kind of way they've gone back and forth on this where it's it's integrated then it's not it's an add-on i I because it's in this one to two thousand dollar range, I get kind of lost on the pricing of all these things. It's like if I wanted a, a complete HTC system that was full body tracking from head to toe, uh, so you've got the index controllers, you've got the uh, eye tracking add on, you use the three five trackers, one on your hip, two on your feet. And then you add on the face and lip tracker. It's going to cost you around two grand, uh, maybe a little bit under that, plus the PC. That's a lot. That's a lot for people to to, to swallow um, and and come up with that price. But there's people out there that want that. And if you're building for the future, that's the system you probably want as a developer. Like if you want to figure out what vr apps are going to be big in five years time you're going to want all of those features inside your system to mess with it and and see what you can do so yes it's coming but it's the same sort of thing where you've kind of got to retrofit your system and that kind of decreases the number of people who can really do this do do you have anything to add here heaney on Mm -hmm. eye tracking We've seen HTC partner with this company before. It's a China-based company that provides these add-ons. It's kind of, it's easy to think of it as China's Toby. Toby, I'm not actually, Toby, I think it's pronounced. Yeah, it's Toby. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this Drulon series of products we've seen before, you know, again, it's, it's sort of Ian's point. It's difficult to understand why this isn't integrated in the Focus 3 or the Pro 2, at least as a tiered option. But it's, it's possible the HCC standard suppliers for this were more expensive and that this ready existing market that exists in the Chinese market, which is, you know, a very separate market to the West. There are all sorts of headsets, including standalones that just exist only within the Chinese market and will never come out of it for various legal and kind of practical reasons. And it, if HCC is more, it's probably not a project that they invested much into. It's probably a one where they went, okay, this company can provide this at a reasonable cost, two nine nine. Let's go with it. But I always think of foveated rendering as this feature that, if you're going to pitch it as part of your platform, it really needs to work way past ninety nine percent. Some some percentage, you know, ninety nine point nine nine. It has to work ninety nine that that well uh in order for you to kind of pitch foveated rendering as a integral part of your platform and get all the benefits that foveated rendering brings which is maybe less some less horsepower provided by your system uh and and thus less cost potentially in your pc processor and i just because it's an add-on it suggests to me that they can't really pitch uh foveated rendering at this time necessarily uh as an integrated product with a tiered option. And yeah, you can add it on for maybe the, uh, the social aspects and test it out, or you could build a custom system that maybe works on in some avenues for eye tracking and, and being able to track what your users are looking at. But yeah, foveated rendering, that's one of those things it's gotta be so keyed in to really be a part of your system. And it's, it's 
just surprising. We've been hearing these VR hardware companies talk about foveated rendering for years. And here we are in 2021 and it's still not here. And uh, we're that's why we're so with, with our news last week about Sony being able to integrate gaze tracking into the upcoming headset. We're really anxious to see how good that eye tracking works to see how integrated into the platform Sony is able to push it. Yeah, as you say, this is really one of those things where the long tail applies. You know, you have to, getting to 99.999% isn't good enough. It has to be, you know, beyond that because if the eye tracking system misfinds your gaze, you, you're, you would see half the screen is blurry. Then as you started to move your eyes quickly around, even more be blurry and you would see it. It's one of those things where for it to work, you have to almost not notice that it's there at all. And it seems yeah. like it's going to be difficult to get that integrated into a standalone headset. That, that I think, is the important thing to keep in mind is that obviously, you know, you can see there's a cable connection there. There's going to be it, it's it, the, the the eye tracking is going to work the best when the computer is doing all the processing. As soon as you add that extra level of overhead, even to get the foveated rendering, the eye tracking, it might not be practical yet for a standalone headset. Like there might be two. I mean, I don't know, Heaney, you're more of a latency and in, in science guy, but would that the tracking going to the headset, computing and then swapping, but, you know, pushing back to what we see, is there going, is it going to be negligible on a standalone or will it actually show benefit because of the foveated rendering on a standalone headset with this type of hardware? Well, so as you're sort of hinting at, there is supporting the eye tracking sensors that we need to be in adds extra compute requirements. You know, these are mobile processors that are in these headsets and they can't handle an unlimited number of cameras coming in. Usually smartphones these days have, you know, two cameras, some of them have three or four, but the idea of having these kind of four tracking cameras plus two eye tracking cameras and maybe even more eye tracking cameras to get a better result we heard Zuckerberg talk recently in his interview with the information about this challenge. You know, he said that it's not only that, but there's also the sheer heat and electrical requirements of adding all these extra sensors. And it comes to the point where these companies are going to have to do some innovation in reducing the power and compute requirements of those sensors. We've heard that Facebook's working on that. We know that Sony is already a primary supplier for a lot of consumer electronics when it comes to these tiny little sensors. So hearing that PlayStation VR will have it integrated doesn't surprise me because I think we may see innovations from Sony in the sensor itself. But HTC may have to wait for another few hardware generations of Qualcomm's processors before it can be something that's integrated. That said, we do see it on the Pico Neo 2i and the 3i. So we don't know what kind of trade-offs are there. And we know that we haven't looked in detail at the 3i, but we know that the Pico 2i actually used a completely different type of tracking system for the controllers. So it was only having to do the head and eyes rather than having to do head, eyes, and controller all through the cameras. Hmm. I was just going to add that there's a theme here that I, I hate sort of harping on this week after week after week, but it's so important to kind of understand the state of, the industry when you look at the the example i gave before of the i that the ios messages now being an integrated feature into the quest os and that was something that htc did in 2016 and then disappeared there's a theme here in that it requires just such concerted multi-year effort to iron out these bugs develop the software in association with the hardware that really solve these problems in a lasting way. So phobia to rendering and eye tracking is just another example where you've got to have such a, a, a strong investment in solving these problems, not just in the hardware, but on the software that powers it in order for the stuff to work. And I, I, I just come back to this idea that Apple and Facebook and Microsoft and Google are the kinds of companies that have the, the, the number of people working on these problems to solve these issues. And HTC kind of isn't one of 
those companies with that kind of that kind of team working on the problems anymore. Yeah, HTC has to rely on partnerships with companies like this for that. And, you know, that does bring these features earlier to market. But as you say, there's a lack of this kind of integration and, and low cost offering that they just can't get by doing this piecemeal approach. Keep in mind, too, that, you know, eye tracking itself is good for, you know, the foveated rendering and that we, we know this. However, uh, there is also, like has been mentioned with other headsets that does that do have it built in, that the eye tracking might uh, help with uh, position for throwing things or to look at something or, you know, actual game interaction. And in order for that to occur, the developers need to have that hardware available to them functioning and in enough headsets that it's reasonable to add features such as that into their game. So keep in mind that this is a new uh, avenue for ecosystem to grow in a different way, and it's going to mature over time. This isn't something that somebody's just going to go, okay, here we go. Eye-tracking games are right around the corner. It's not going to yeah, happen so like that. Yeah, I brought this up over the weekend. It kind of hit me... Uh really it's it's occurred to me a couple times but it kind of really settled in that if we get the gaze tracking out of you know it actually ships well and it works well out of sony and and the next playstation headset and valve is able to partner with sony and get half-life alex on that system the gravity gloves that you have on half-life alex could be way 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 better i know anyone that played half-life alex through to completion i want to say it's about nine times out of ten or maybe eight times out of ten that the thing you're reaching for or the, the thing you want to pull towards you you're able to target first try but i i know it happens frequently enough that i'm like reaching for this thing and i pull over something right next to it instead and that should not happen if you've got an eye tracked API. If you're, if you're able to pass along to the developer that the person is looking at that object and not that object, then you could have gravity gloves where every time you pull things towards you, it's the thing you want. And mm -hmm. I almost wonder if when, when you look at the development of Half-Life Alex, they developed the controllers the index controllers alongside half-life alex and there's certain things like grasping cans that you can do more realistically like you can crush a can and kind of get the feeling of crushing a can more realistically in half-life alex but it's absolutely not fundamental to the gameplay and it's just one little thing you can do with the five finger sort of squeeze control that you've got with those controllers but when i look at the gravity gloves i almost think that should get so much better when you've got integrated hand hand tracking uh, or sorry integrated eye tracking as part of the actual system yeah yeah there's a there's a lot of room for growth uh with this type of technology for sure i mean it's if they're selling it for you know just to get back to the actual uh concept of why it's not integrated into these new headsets you know 299 for uh, for the add-on, what would that have added to? I mean, obviously, that's an MSRP, but what would it have added to the actual cost of the headset itself? So if it's an $800 headset, would it have been $900 or $899 with the eye tracking involved? So I, I don't know if there's some threshold they were trying to keep their prices. I'm not, I'm not really sure what the logic is there. Don't know. I do like the company name uh droolon i mean i, I, I don't the product name the company name is that one just the logo below i can't actually read it from here but you should be seven in sun invention okay seven invention china's tobai that's all you need to know so the product is called droolon i believe so yes Okay. Well, yeah. this is the drill on F2. They, they had one before for the previous Vive headsets. It may have been the Vive Pro 1. I'm almost sure it was. This was before the Vive Pro I, obviously, where HTC released their own headset that had eye tracking built in. 
intriguing. Okay, well, I guess we'll see how Maybe that looks coming Q3. Well. It, we'll get into we'll get it into it at some point on this studio, but like I I would love to to ask the commenters here, the viewers out there watching, would you prefer your eye tracking data to be analyzed by Facebook or a Chinese company? Which 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 do you, do you prefer? Which is which is scarier? Which is going to keep you up at night? I'd I'd love to hear our commenters get into that one. I wow. would say you know that most of these eye tracking systems are you know all of them are actually processing all of the data locally. Obviously, that's a you know we can't verify that that's definitely happening. But according to these companies, the eye tracking data itself never leaves the device. It's all processed on device. That yeah. that imagine that because there are devices out there. Uh, I've used them. I've seen them where uh, it is a device that sits on top of a monitor and it's watching your eyeballs as you scroll through websites or whatever. And it creates a heat map of where you look and what you look at first, second, third, what you focus all your attention on. So those devices have existed. I tried that. I think it was like 2014, the first time I saw a device like that. So um, th- that, that exists. Go by sensor. That's probably a yeah. sensor that, you know, that's what they were doing before they started uh, making these components for mm-hmm. the sets, and, and they still make that. One of the key uses for it is in research, you know, universities would typically have one. Well, that's, I was at a university. Yeah. When I, when I, when I played with it and uh, it was scary accurate. I mean, I was actually really impressed at how much it knew exactly what I was looking at on the screen. It was, it was very accurate. Yeah. The commenters, well, I, I like the commenting yeah. res- responses saying neither of them. And I think that's kind of what, what Heaney is getting at with uh, it being processed locally on the device. That's what Facebook says it does with uh, the room tracking data. And uh, they've obviously got the hardware sensor. We've talked about it before, but a light turns on and that is a, a, the power to the light is connected to the cameras. So the, when the cameras turn on, the light turns on and you're notified when those that data gathering is actually happening. I'm curious if there's kind of like an equivalent for eye tracking when we get to that point of, you know, is there a way to notify the user that your eyes are now being, being tracked? You're being watched. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I mean, you know, if somebody wants to sit and stare at a video of my eyes, darting back and forth for you know hours at a time Fam- i mean famous last words i don't think eye tracking is going to be a big deal i always remember the ma- <laughs> the, the matrix right with uh, the lady in red walking by uh, mm-hmm. that's always like the example i think of is, is if you can identify specifically what the person is interested in and how long they're looking at the thing you can discern a lot about their their intent what they like what they prefer and yep. it's it's going to be a big deal, but it, what will change it into not a big deal is good hardware architecture that makes it transparent to the user what's actually going on. Like, that's why I bring up the light on the power rail and, like, why it's so important that people know when that light's on, the cameras are looking at you. People like to know that. And when we've talked about what Apple might do, uh, there's the idea of the LiDAR sensor where. I'm really curious to see if Apple is able to do the LiDAR thing where it's not actually capturing any visual data at all. It's just using it LiDAR data. Uh, I'd be curious to see if that actually comes to pass. Andrew King is just asking here if it's true that the cameras can't track without the green light on. It's it's the white light, I believe, on, on Quest 1 and 2. The, the light is white, but yes, that, that is hardwired to the sensors on Quest. There are some laptops that do that as well, where the webcam is actually hardwired to an LED. Some don't. Some actually have it as a software LED, which is quite strange because that can be hacked. But if you if you Google it, you can actually find a series of laptops that have that if you're very interested in security. According, according to Facebook on the light thing, right? We we I, I, I don't know of any down. hardware researchers that there are actually breaking. They, there was? They, they saw it looked to be connected. I mean, I don't think they did an electrical engineering test, but it looked it looked like it was wired to the seam. Well... In the, we, in the we need to get enough also. YouTube members so that we can we could fund those teardowns and get an electrical, you know, get the the, the gauge in there and actually test these things ourselves. Because I want to see, I want to actually test these things. How, how long, Ian, on the other side of things, so as not to scare people with eye tracking, but how long 
before eye tracking discovers that somebody has, uh, I don't know, glaucoma or some sort of eye disease and the eye tracking camera picks it up and notifies them of uh, it's it's possible. It's uh, yeah. the research is out there that that sort of thing is uh, doable. There was it is uh, there was an ailment. Uh, I want to say I can't remember what it was that uh, could be identified. Um, I wish I could remember what it was, but there what yeah that's gonna that's one of those frontiers where uh, it, it is very scary to think that the hardware you're wearing on your head could identify. Uh, that you're sick before you do um, with that well, sort Apple of insight into your body. With some conditions what? already. You know, your, your yeah. Apple Watch will warn you if you have certain heart conditions. I could see Apple bringing that with their headset, though I don't think they would want to really advertise that these things are cameras, the, you know, the, the eye cameras. They'd probably want to make sure that the only data ever being passed is just the output. But what really concerns me about eye tracking and privacy is if any of these companies kind of also track your pupil dilation. There may be some mm. valid u- use cases for that, but that's where it starts to get kind of very creepy and problematic when it comes to inferring someone's intent because the research shows you can can you can infer a lot about someone's emotional state based on their pupil dilation at a certain you can also tell if they've been uh you know having a good time on a friday night if you know what i mean you know yeah people talking about thought criminals i set everyone off i'm sorry i made i made our entire youtube audience spiral we're we're all down the rabbit (laughs) hole now let's get to the next subject i'm sorry ian too too much for a monday what did you do (laughs) all right okay let's let's get on to the next piece of news here uh another vive htc is gonna love this episode vive pro 2 wireless adapter does not support full resolution when used with vive pro 2 the vive wireless adapter does not support full resolution or 120 hertz mode. So I don't remember the exact numbers, but I do recall that it was functioning at, what, 90 hertz with, like, I don't know, about around 2K resolution? It's quite quite far below 2K currently. It's um, My notes didn't update here, but it was somewhere around. So, so to start, the Vive Pro 2's display is around 2.5K per eye. So... The current wireless, re- and it, it refreshes at 120 hertz, but currently the wireless adapter operates at somewhere around 12 or 1300 per eye. So if the maximum is about 2500 per eye, we know from HTC that they plan to increase that to somewhere around 1600, 1700, 1800 per eye. But even after that update, it won't be anywhere near the full resolution. So the problem is here, they're still selling the same Vive wireless adapter from back with the original Vive for this and the technology it uses, first generation Intel Ygig, simply cannot support the full bandwidth needed to drive this headset. Now the question is, will HTC invest in releasing a Vive wireless adapter too? I would say we probably would have heard something about it by now if that were the case. It would be strange for them to sell this one, but I think it's a big disappointment to the people who believed in HTC and you know who when HTC were the first to bring wireless to the consumer market they jumped in and it's just disappointing to see them not kind of keep up that pace because we're now in the situation where you can have a quest 2 with a virtual desktop and stream at 2k resolution 120 hertz and yet you buy this 350 dollar adapter from htc more expensive than the entire quest 2 and it won't even run at 120 hertz or at beyond near 2k do either of you two have one of these and have used it enough to have an opinion on it? Oh, uh, uh, well, that's the thing. My opinion of it is it's sitting in a box. Mm-hmm. So I still have mine attached to a Vive Pro, and I've got the Y-Gig, the Y-Gig card installed and the little antenna doodad that they gave me. Actually, it's kind of funny. I took... I, I took the bottom off of an old CV in a, a Quest, or not a Quest, see, a Rift CV1 camera sensor, and I took the bottom off of it, and I screwed the Y-Gig thing on top of it, and it sits nice and pretty on my desk. Um, I noticed that when I wasn't in a good spot where the sensor could actually see me, that the it, it got blocky. I mean, obviously, this is what you would expect when there's a low bandwidth. Things get blocky. Things get chunky. Things get blurry. Um, it doesn't surprise me 
that it's not doing full resolution. It doesn't surprise me that it's doing, uh, you know, full, it's not doing full 120 hertz because I feel like even at what it was doing, it was still slightly below my threshold for what I would expect from a device like this. So it was a good start, but I definitely expect to see improvements on the wireless capabilities like he tahini's point where's generation two of this device where's where's the upgrade the, the issue are two things i gotta get into because our commenters are still going off about eye tracking and <laughs> we will get into eye tracking and i just the commenter there kyle was talking about drugs it was it was a good time your eyes dilate when you're on drugs and then the eye tracking could potentially do that just to be clear just to be clear Legal recreational, okay. Just, just to be clear, legal recreational. I'm not advocating for anything. And then Andrew saying, Andrew saying, I surprised that I stared us away from the from the eye tracking discussion. Yeah, I, I we we need to get into and stay on eye tracking again and again and again because it's such a significant issue. It's just we have to be able to sort between speculation and actual like what this hardware is going to do, and without hardware platforms that are really integrating eye tracking on a platform level it's it's more in the speculation realm and so that's why we're kind of going off on that uh as far as donation in the chat what uh donation in the chat oh yeah thank you matthew um and i'm waiting for the rest of the comment uh to to scroll up so i can we can respond to it um as far as the wireless Vive unit, I believe there was a partnership and some work done with Intel to uh, get the chipset inside of that, if, if I recall correctly. And as we know, Intel kind of has been a tumultuous company in recent years. Uh, they, of course, uh, was, they had merged reality. Was that their, their serve, their product, uh, their, their marketing campaign? Uh, I believe it was. Uh, Intel merged reality. Is that right? Am I, I, I right, want to say that that's right. I think. So they, yeah, tried, they had like project, yeah, so, what was it alloy or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so Project alloy. Yeah. And they also, so, so they were trying to do VR for a little while there. And if you've never seen this YouTube video of Intel merged reality, it is them trying to, th- to throw their own marketing term into the VR market and define MR as like another thing called merged reality. And it's just this super expensive production where they, they tried to show you what VR could be in 10 years. And it was so frustrating, like this, the worst kind of app uh, of, of VR marketing when you're showing things that the hardware cannot do anywhere, anywhere soon. Um, point being alloy got canned. And Intel itself is getting losing a lot of its business in lots of different ways. And I, I think we need to see a partner like that working on wireless VR. And I, I do want to say that that was an Intel, Intel technology that helped lead to the wireless adapter. Yes, it uses Intel's kind of YGIG Generation 1. And just to be clear for anyone that doesn't know, YGIG is kind of a 60 gigahertz version of Wi-Fi. It's not technically Wi-Fi, but that means that it's a much higher bandwidth signal, but it can't penetrate walls. So that's why these are like this. There actually is a generation two YGIG from Intel. I'm not sure if it's fully certified and ready for products yet. I need to double check. But I, you know, I obviously Intel's focus is less wide than it used to be because they have to focus on competing in those markets they're losing, as you mentioned, Ian. But I do think if HTC wanted to, they could have made a new adapter with YGIG Generation 2. It's probably just that HTC itself didn't consider it a big enough priority yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Looks like you can read uh, Matthew. I'm going to try to pronounce this. Matthew Mazenholder. hope I said that correctly. He wants to know, do you guys think we will get Ready Player One-like movement with your real legs? Well, I'll tell you, you know, when you, when you watch uh, Ready Player One and you see Wade jump on that little box and start running around. That that's uh, that's basically an Infinidec, which is a real product that I've used multiple times. Uh, are we close? Eh, close. We're getting there. How about that? How about we're we're working our way toward it? 
and we get closer with each iteration of headset and uh, external add-ons. But yes, I mean that that exists. That that is a real product that you can run around on, and it's uh, it's getting there. It gets better every time I try it. So yeah, it? don't hold your breath, but you know it'll happen soon enough. Wasn't it? I, I want to say I think Palmer Lucky had a tweet out there. Uh, the the Oculus co-founder suggesting that Portal should be used in association with the Oculus so that they could do full body tracking. I think it's an obvious thought that a lot of us who have been looking at Portal have been wondering why not integrate Portal with Oculus data. And I, I believe Facebook's head of VR, Andrew Bosworth, has said that you know it's just not there yet or something like that yeah. it's like that the prod the overlap between these markets doesn't make sense for integration but we want the oculus app on there so we can do everything you can with your phone just with a portal uh and it makes it makes a lot of sense to me i'd i'd be more interested in buying a portal with that sort of integration yeah like hey cool i got matthew's name correct awesome man that's totally awesome Glad to hear that. Uh, okay. Well, do we want to talk any more about Vive or should we move on to our next company? All right. Okay. On. So next piece of news is Microsoft is absolutely working on a consumer HoloLens. Microsoft reconfirmed it is absolutely working on a cons- consumer journey for its HoloLens AR headset even if that's some ways off. Now, uh, I have been very fortunate. I was a member of Microsoft's first HoloLens Academy, where I wore a HoloLens for several hours a day and have actually gone a full day of wearing. Now, this is the the HoloLens one, the OG one. Um, so, so much, in fact, that our team of developers actually coined a term that if you wear an OG HoloLens for too long because of the way it sits on your head, uh, it puts this very interesting bar right across your forehead. And we were calling it the hollow halo. And uh, it, it's it's pretty nuts to think that uh, HoloLens 2 with its incremental uh, upgrades, because HoloLens 1 was not ready for prime time. It was not ready for consumers. And HoloLens 2, the incremental updates that they've made to that feel like there's still a, maybe a iteration three that needs to come out prior to uh, going full on consumer. But uh, there's a lot to be talked about here. So I don't know, Ian, if you want to kick us off yeah, here with co- some other. The comments. Did you take down the actual word for word comments here, Heaney? Because it was very strong comments from the head of, you know, the HoloLens project, Alex Kipman over there. I've had a sit down with, with Kipman several years ago now where he outlined that, yes, there, there's, a, there's the whole spectrum of mixed reality. They, they, use the, they use the term mixed reality to very clearly say they want to cover both AR and VR with, with everything. They want, they want to get everything there. And they, I remember in that interview, he indicated that, yes, he thinks the lenses could change, right? That you could go from uh, transparent to opaque. Uh, with some kind of hardware down the line and get the full, fully virtual or just augmented reality out in the real world. Uh, to your point, Kyle, I don't know how many generations we have to go through to get to the consumer hardware, though. It's it, the, the, the comments from Kipman are very, very strong in that they know they have to do a great job in consumer, but it's just... Uh, when we talk about Apple and Microsoft, these are companies that have been burned in the past in the same way kind of Google feels it was burned by getting into things at the wrong time. If you go back and look at Connect, Microsoft was trumpeting the original Connect as like the fastest selling hardware product in history back when it came out and then a few years later it was just a dead platform dead for dead for consumers dead for developers and here we are years later where they've like re-released you know they're still iterating on what the connect did 
but it's not a consumer it's not a consumer platform anymore it's a dev platform to build for something in the future okay so radical app dev here in the chat has said i've tried so many times to rationalize the purchase of a hololens 2 and i just can't bring myself to spend that much uh i hope they can make something under a thousand dollars now uh what we're talking about here and thanks for that comment by the way we're talking about value uh, when you talk about the value of a VR headset such as the Quest or the Vive or a- any of them out on the market right now, the Index, you see the value because you say, hey, play this game, play this game, maybe use this app, maybe healthcare, this, that, or the other. The HoloLens is a marvelous device. It really is a marvelous device. But the value for an end user, a consumer not even a prosumer, just a consumer, is not there yet. Because number one, it's still not quite ready in terms of performance, in my opinion. And number two, there just isn't enough content to get this out there in the wild and it to be rationalized to make this purchase. And it's all about value. Microsoft has a long way to go to make the argument that this is a valuable product for a consumer. It's getting there, but again, we're on a journey. This isn't a sprint. This is a marathon, and I, I think at the end of the day, Microsoft will have a product out there, not the end of today, the end of the day meaning down the road, that there will be a product that will come out, a HoloLens, maybe three or four, that will provide the consumer with what they're looking for. So I want to read Vexner's comment here. Thank you for the donation, Vexner, and I would love to hear Heaney respond to it. Because Heaney pays really close attention to these things. So Vexner's comment is, Zuck stated the exact form factor and feature set Facebook was working toward. Glasses that can switch back and forth between AR and VR. Why is no one talking about this? He didn't say it was a wish, a wish but a roadmap. What do you have to say to that, Heaney? Well, you know, we listened to the same interview from the information. Uh, the information is one of our kind of most trusted sources when it comes to finding out these sort of things. Um what I, what I would say that is, again, the distinction between a wish and a roadmap here is kind of not particularly meaningful because what he's talking about, the technology simply doesn't exist. He can pour his billions into R&D for that technology and hope that it eventually exists. But there are a lot of people that still argue that that is a pipe dream. The idea of having these compact AR glasses, the size of sunglasses that can change instantly from being AR into full immersive VR. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be practical. Maybe in 15, 20, 25 years, we'll see that kind of convergence of form factor. But for now, it's like trying to have your tablet and your phone be the same. Sorry, your laptop and your phone be the same thing. Lots of companies have tried it, but there are practical engineering differences between something this size and something this size. And just like with glasses, there are differences between something that has to be absolutely tiny and, you know, 70 or 100 grams at most. And, have a little tiny battery in the side of it that powers the whole thing. I don't see that kind of convergence happening anytime soon. See, I am going to, only because I'm an optimist here, disagree and say it'll happen within five to seven years. Mm, I think we no. will have those glasses like like Zuckerberg is talking about yeah. in five to seven years. Write it down. Mm, Remind me. I, five well, years. We've got them today. They're just terrible. So, like, like <laughs> you, true. You, you can go and get these shades that you can fit over your AR glasses to turn them into VR glasses, and it's just a terrible experience. Um, the, the, I, it's going to hinge on field of view and whether you can make optics that autom- like the automatically shift between transparent and opaque i don't think we're going to see those optics anytime soon maybe in the five to seven year time frame we'll see some kind of optics that do something close to that but i I still i'm I'm thinking it's going to be closer on heaney's timeline that but the thing i want to the field of view is the other kind of driving factor here where we know we've, we've harped on this again and again and again that the current field of view of VR is way more than the state-of-the-art AR headsets. And year after year after year, we are waiting for the field of view of VR 
to expand out yet again. And I think when you, the reason that's not been happening so far is there have been other priorities on the list of things to do with VR that were more important. Let's get it wireless. Let's get it self-contained. Let's get an actual product ecosystem with, with good software for, you know, accessories people want to add on as well as software people want to play and download. Those were all the things that they had to do first with VR for us to get a compelling product. But when, yeah, this is the the famous chart that we, we kind of see Facebook has worked out the right hard, the right weight that they are going to want to see out of these products down the line. And the one over on the left, VR, where you've got full control of the pixels and the best mixed reality are the things that are going to drive opaque display, VR-based AR. So you've got uh, cameras and other sensors supplying you with real-world data that can provide you a great AR experience. So... Kyle, if your timeline that you're saying for five to seven years is that VR headset that does great AR, I'm there with you. But I don't think we're going to see the optics change to show you like real, just raw uh, photons from the real world through just transparent optics in that time frame. That the, 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 that's the thing that's... 15 to 20 years out in my opinion here here's why i'm uh i'm optimistic on this is think about the technology and how it's changed even in the last five years i mean five years ago nobody knew how to pronounce fresnel correctly everybody was saying fresnel even i was because i had never heard of it before but that technology has been around for quite a while and it's it doesn't take much to take something like that and adapt it and then there's pancake lenses and there's all sorts of other things you're probably righty, and I am being optimistic, and it will probably be somewhere in the middle of the long range and the short range because that's how things like that average out. But I think that we are less than five years away from having a really solid VR headset that can do MR with pass-through. I do believe that pass-through yep. is the key here. I think that as soon as we get pass-through on the Quest, Absolutely. that's going to make a big difference. Hedy, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, no, I, I completely agree with you. We are going to see, I mean, VR, AR headset is almost the wrong kind of words to use. If, if we look at this, this is the distinction we should be making. There's two different devices here. On the left, we have something that uses cameras to pass through the real world onto an LCD or OLED or micro LED. It doesn't matter what kind of display, but a display that lenses then magnify into your eyes. On the right, we have something that passes through optically transparently, just like your glasses, but adds on extra pixels on top of that. These are the two different types of devices. And the, the, the difference between them is probably going to be quite similar to the difference between your phone and your laptop. You'll take the one on the right outside when you're going in the real world, you're going out to walk because you don't want to be seeing the real world through a camera. I don't think that's going to be practical for, for obvious social reasons. But then when you come home, you're not going to want to be limited by a device that has to you know, weigh a couple, you know, 50 to 100 grams and use only a few hundred milliwatts because it has to have a little tiny battery to fit into the glasses frame. You're going to want to put on this advanced mixed reality headset. But as you say, this this headset will probably in five to 10 years, the one on the left, be thought of just as much of a mixed reality headset as a VR headset. Perhaps the term VR won't actually last for these headsets. I suspect they might even just be called headsets going forward in the long term because why, if they can do this rich mixed reality, why wouldn't that be as important as the virtual reality that they can provide? I'm looking forward to seeing what the, uh, the, the TikTok generation decides to call these things when they're much more mainstream. Yeah, and he needs an explanation there. He used the word pass-through in the reverse of the way that we're, we're using currently in 2021. We're talking about pass-through AR as like the reverse of the way he just described it. And to your point, yeah, these... These terms are going to be defined. I loved, did you see the, I wish we'd uploaded it to our uh, dashboard here, but the bingo for Twitter debate, uh, the bingo card where you just, 
we're going to come back to this argument again and again and again. I'm done with the Twitter debates about defining these terms because it's just so tiresome. <laughs> uh, yeah, mixed reality is. I'm looking forward to this VR headset that does great AR, and you can see it a little bit in the Vario uh, super high-end systems where you, you really are layering these two things on each other in a really great way. But when we've got the 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 stuff that I, I'm convinced Zuckerberg is playing with uh, over at Facebook to sort of this Quest Pro that they're working on with better sensors... I really want to see how far that device gets us to this uh, this really great mixed reality product. Yeah, I think that there's probably an entire room at FRL, Facebook Reality Labs, that probably has, here's a headset that does this awesome, but does everything else terribly. And here's a headset that does this great, but doesn't do everything else it needs to. And and I think there's going to be a lot of that coming out. I think there's going to be headsets that are wonderful on one thing. And then the rest of it. Now that, that that's a snazzy looking headset. I would wear that all the time. I think this was their concept of what that kind of headset on the left, what, what we call today VR headsets might look like in the future. But the idea is that that that's still using an LCD or an OLED display. You're not actually seeing real photons from the real world come through and it can be used for as much as mixed reality as it may virtual reality this has nothing to do with anything we're talking about but it, it's been reminded me now ian do you remember at uh was it connect five maybe i don't know uh they had multicolored quests that they were doing that dead and buried arena uh, yeah, where where are I the orange quests? Where are the blue quests? Right, uh, I wanted those so bad. I would love yeah. to. I, I bought this uh, VR cover is really onto something there because you can go into VR cover and select their multicolored you know facial interfaces. I'm wearing a purple one right now. Yeah, where I've yeah, got like their yeah. their yeah, they're yeah really yeah. I, I have yeah. Yeah, I have two. Uh, my 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 two girls, my two younger kids are. Uh, they both have the. They both have OG quests, quest ones, and one of them's red and one of them's blue. So that way they know whose is who. And plus, I mean, come on, red and blue. That's that's just it's far out. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for us to get to because you, you you're getting to the point where with the next, you know, they had to prove out VR with Quest Two still, right? The the, the mm -hmm. first generation was just black. The second generation is just white. And I think the next generation of consumer-focused hardware from Facebook will probably get some of those color selections because you're, you're going to want to go pick up the, the orange one or the blue one and uh, be able to easily identify which one is for which family member uh, pretty yeah. soon here because you're going to yeah. get multiple devices for your family. Yeah, I had one of those cool clear phones from the 90s late 80s early 90s I, I wouldn't mind a clear a completely clear where, where where is that who has customized a quest 2 and made it completely clear shell show me a picture please challenge out mm -hmm. to the interwebs yeah that'd be great too well it the, would. That, the problem is you're blocking out the outside world so you gotta you gotta do both those things at the same time yeah it'd be a challenge for sure <laughs> So do we have anything good here in the comments? Looks like we've had uh, quite a number of interesting conversations going on here. Let's see here. Something about washing machine and dryer. Clear would be awesome. See, sampler 19. Thank you. Let, let's let's get that. Let's get that going here. Uh, it would be terrible for I, I understand the practical reasons of why that's ridiculous, but I think there might be a way to make it happen in some way, shape, or form. Somebody's out there rolling their eyes right now going, he doesn't understand. Kyle's yeah, out I there do pitching one-way. You're pitching one-way glass on your headset. I want one-way <laughs> one mirrors on my headset, yeah. There you go. So one last thing I'd say about HoloLens 2 is that the most interesting line for me in this interview where we learned that Microsoft is still working on a consumer HoloLens, though we don't know when that's going to happen, was the phrase, he said... You can't shape an industry unless you're in consumer. And I thought that was very interesting to hear because, you know, there's often this assumption that Microsoft might want to stay in the enterprise market where it's kind of safe and they can see what they, you know, they know the future path there. There's not this hefty consumer competition and things like content and marketing 
And we know that Microsoft historically hasn't done as well in consumer as it is able to do with business. But it's interesting to hear Kipman kind of stated very clearly, because as you were saying earlier, Kyle, you know, for example, with eye tracking, it's not much use to have eye tracking on these headsets unless the content supports it. And even in a Mm -hmm. business context, if there isn't an ecosystem of developers that have built up to develop this kind of thing for these consumer hardware it, they're going to ha- it's going to be a lot more difficult for these companies to bring these features in so microsoft seems to recognize that if they can launch a consumer hololens the benefits of that are going to ripple through to its business division as well not just for consumers and, and a lot of people don't realize this but you know that, that that's brilliant to say that that the consumers have to be involved in order to shape the industry i mean you know VR didn't just magically pop up in like 2011 and, oh, here's VR again. It hasn't been talked about since the 90s. No, no, no. There were plenty of companies out there that were selling, like, like uh, was it uh, WorldViz, I think, had a $10,000 headset that was tracked with OptiTrack. I mean, $10,000. And it wasn't even, I mean, it was it was cool, but it wasn't consumer ready. I mean, those headsets have existed for quite a long time with no Mm -hmm. consumer action. As soon as it gets on a Kickstarter and becomes available for the common man, now it's, you know, under a thousand dollars and does all sorts of amazing things. And there's huge amounts of innovation that have occurred. So yes, consumer is how you mold the industry. Absolutely. To bring that full circle a little bit back to uh, HoloLens again, I want to bring up Illumi Room, which was this amazing project from uh, Microsoft researchers, I think, that they had a projector and they also projection mapped your living room. And they projected really impressive things all around your living room. So if you were able to sort of map the entire region around your TV and then throw a projector onto it, you could have a first-person shooter where everything in the center of the first-person shooter is perfectly in focus, and then the living room is sort of like your peripheral vision, and you don't have to show everything out there at the same resolution. And you've got this this sort of more immersive experience where maybe you're out there playing the shooter and you see some person that's uh, out there on your bookcase uh, but it, it looks pretty good on your uh, on your um, projector. You turn the shooter with your gamepad to point at the, the the left a little bit, and you're able to spot someone in your periphery that way. And they were able to show up various concepts like rippling that would go out into your living room and environmental effects, music visualizers that would just be so immersive. And you're able to get this much higher field of view, essentially, out of your your TV experience. And uh, I think of basically the route that PlayStation tried before Morpheus and before uh, PlayStation VR, where they had the move controllers, where you could, you could actually use the move controllers to navigate your menu. And you obviously had connect back in that time period. I still, I still kind of wonder whether Facebook or with whether Microsoft knows that they could do really, really, really awesome experiences if they just know the the layout of your living room. If they know that that's a couch you're sitting on, that's a table there right in front of you, that's a bookcase. If they know what the objects are in your room and then they give developers tools to build on those objects we could get all they have to do is ship a a wireless headset that talks to your xbox and get some of that software information down and like you could have really really cool experiences just in that one room of your house um like you you could do some really really amazing mixed reality games uh if you think back on that that um I can't think of Dr. Grodbert's Magic Leaps game um, where things are breaking out from your walls. You could really, it's a, a comp- entirely different class of video games than we've seen out of Facebook. When the, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, Microsoft had for the HoloLens uh, Robo Raid. Uh, yeah. I can't remember. I think they changed the name of it or something at some point. But yeah, basically, uh, I did it in my living room at home and I uh, put the headset on, turn it on the game. All of a sudden, my wall breaks open and all this stuff starts shooting out of a hole 
behind the wall and it's interacting. It's crawling up along the side and up on the ceiling of, yeah, it's very fun. It's very novel. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting like this at them. So that's not <laughs> the greatest input ever, but you know, yeah. That's why it gets me real excited for a potential of PlayStation VR two, uh, this next generation. And I really hope that Microsoft makes a go at it with Xbox VR, because we can do some amazing, amazing games in the living room with, knowledge of where the walls are and your furniture is and leaving those as surfaces for games to come out of. Do you, uh, do you, do you think if they come out with an Xbox headset, they should call it the V box? Do you think, I mean, I don't no, know. I hate, no? I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> you you I, don't like, I it. hope okay. I, I like the, everyone that uses the eye roll emoji Please use that more often when Kyle gives really bad puns and stuff. I just love seeing the comments, and I, I think he appreciates it too. Yeah. Also, when you do that eye roll emoji, then that's just me tracking your eye movement. So it all comes around full circle. <laughs> I like that. I like that. What do, what do we got up here on the screen? This looks like a Unity. So, what do we? I was just going to sort of say that that you know what you're talking about in terms of using the geometry and the layout of your house and your room. That is the future of all mixed reality gaming in general. And we'll probably see all of the major platforms adopt this. I think we may even see Apple start from that perspective next year. What this is, is Unity Mars, M-A-R-S, capital letters, if you want to Google it. And it's their project to actually enable developers to build those kind of games in Unity. So it's this idea of a semantic understanding of your environment so they can say, this is a table, this is a couch. And there are a lot of questions about how our game is going to have to be developed like this, because it's going to be radically different than every other kind of game we've seen before, where developers build an environment that you traverse through. In this, the developers are given the environment that you have and must kind of create a content stage within that environment. So we're going to have to see, you know, Mars uses machine learning. We're going to see all sorts of applications of machine learning in this because how can you make a game that runs in two different rooms that look radically different? Someone might have an apartment in Tokyo and another person might have a mansion in the countryside, but they both need, if you want to build a game that can be sold to millions of people that may own these kind of headsets in future, it needs to run on both of those. That is one of the hard questions that Unity Mars is currently trying to challenge. And I'm sure we'll see Apple's attempt at it next year. I mean, I, I don't have a coffee table, but I have a couch. But you know what? All houses, well, I shouldn't say all, but most houses have a floor, a ceiling, and walls, hopefully. Uh, I, it's going to be very difficult because I could see mapping a room and then, you know, uh, kitty cat comes over and you push him out of the way. And along with it goes your ottoman that was already mapped. And now suddenly there's a feature that's supposed to be there that's not anymore. So the staticness of the environment is where I'm kind of wishy-washy on this whole concept. But but I'm willing I'm willing to give it a try, and if it works, then I'll, I'll be all in on it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of software. Hey, you're, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of software layers there that need to be ironed out. But mm -hmm. I, I think there's enough evidence that these big companies are trying to develop that Mars is a great example. But uh, there's if you go to Pokemon Go, there's the reality mesh feature. It's a reality uh, mixing. I can't remember what it's called, but you can sort of activate this extra layer of of filtering that happens with the Pokemon Go AR, where like if you have actual objects moving through your space, it tries to segment the foreground and the background in real time and you've just got so many layers there that you you do have to assume uh you know tell the player you need a flat surface for this that's mm -hmm. raised off the off the floor and you've got a game D demio is our perfect we love demio uh and it's played perfectly in this place where they've done a lot of assumptions here to make sure you can play this in a room with four walls and you can tilt up the, the table but i would love to have that game be playable on an actual table as well Mm-hmm. absolutely i hope a lot of you don't have uh black leather furniture and bare walls because a lot of this tracking really has a 
hard time with uh, not. You need a noisy, busy room with a lot of contrast and craziness going on for some of this tracking uh, stuff to work. I, I've seen entire rooms that are just like abysmal for tracking for some of this AR stuff. So you know, start getting some tacky stuff in your rooms. <laughs> It'll help well, your tracking be the a lot better. Of LiDAR, LiDAR um, that we see in the current iPhones, sorry, the current top of the range iPhone and the current top of the range iPad, because of how it works, it actually sends out signals to be able to see the depth of your room. So even if it's completely featureless, it will be able to see the geometry because that is one of the big challenges in mobile AR right now. You know, if you ever, if you ever use smartphone AR, you'll notice that you need to kind of pan it all over your room for it to get a sense and maybe even need to stand up and scan it over here. And, you know, if you've got a very Spartan room, it actually won't work at all. So mm-hmm. for AR to be practical at all, we'll need to see depth sensors in this hardware. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, uh, okay. I, I think this has been a uh, nice, fun topic conversation. Hollands 2, Hollands 3 might come out for consumers someday in some form. I'm excited about that. we got eye tracking. Uh, notifications. I'm still waiting for a notification to pop up from my phone. I guess nobody likes me enough to send me a message, except for you wonderful people who are out in the YouTube chat right now. Obviously, if you're watching this live on YouTube, you have the ability to interact with us, and we talk to these folks all the time as they make content and questions and comments, and we love that. But if you're listening to this on the podcast audio only, well, we, we like you too. And uh, feel free to leave comments after it's live and we can check it out and still try to interact with you. Uh, Ian, do, do you have any final words of wisdom for our lovely audience before we part ways? Uh, just uh, keep tuning in, subscribe to us, uh, become members, support our work. We are working hard to answer these questions, verify information, and make sure that we provide the the best source of, of news and information you get in the VR industry. And uh, we'd love to have your support in, in doing that. So thank you for tuning in, watching us. And uh, yeah, check back in the yeah. future. We'll be back on Thursday with games. Heaney, what do you, you got any final words of wisdom for us all? Yeah, I would just say that, you know, as with every week, I'm very impressed with the, the quality of the comments here. Uh, look, Traveling Man 3775, you're, you're absolutely right to say that the current semiconductor shortage this year means that we won't see as many hardware launches. But, you know, you put the optimistic kind of view on that and said that means that, you know, once this shortage is over, we're going to see an explosion in new hardware and products. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, totally awesome. Well, as usual, go check out uploadvr.com and go to our like and subscribe and influencer, blah, 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 blah. Do all those things because it helps support us. Thank you. That's awesome. Ian Heaney, good show. Thank you all very much for watching. We'll see you in the future. So long.